is episode five of the Fantasy Alarm Hockey Podcast. Uh, always, I am joined by my esteemed colleague, Chris Martin. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing well, Andrew. How are you? Oh, well, not too bad. Uh, starting to get a little bit cold around here, but uh, we've got hockey dreams available to us now to start warming us up. Where uh, It is recording this on Sunday, so we are three days away from the first NHL games. Uh, we're going to see how many there really are, uh, as COVID seems to be doing its thing. Uh, it sounds like we could be down to three. Uh, we could lose the Philadelphia-Pittsburgh game on night one, uh, depending on what comes back in Pittsburgh. But uh, it sounds like we know Dallas is out for uh, f- at least a few games. Columbus has uh, some bad situation around it. And uh, Vancouver has popped up today as well in that same situation as Pittsburgh and Columbus with concerns, but no actual outcome yet. So uh, it's going to be interesting. Um, So let's just get into it. Uh, So uh, I think what we're going to be trying to do here uh, is we're going to we have prices for for night one, which is awesome on Wednesday. Uh, We don't have prices for the rest of the week, but we're going to try to cover. Uh, any of the games that seem noteworthy uh, where you should be trying to target, uh, whether it be stacks, goalies, uh, whatever the situation might be. Uh, so, Chris, getting into night one, uh, I know we talked about this a couple days ago, uh, but uh, looking at those four games or five games right now, it's Philadelphia, Pittsburgh. Chicago, Tampa, Toronto, Montreal, Colorado, St. Louis, Vancouver, and Edmonton. Uh, what stands out to you here on, on night one? Well, let's let's get the obvious out of the way, right? Let's start with Tampa Bay and Chicago. I'm extremely excited to watch Malcolm Subban be the, I guess you want to call him the starting goalie. I'm also excited to see the back of his net get lit up just nonstop. I really expect Tampa Bay to just hammer it. Even if these teams, right, they haven't played now in a couple of months, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Tampa Bay is as help. I mean, healthy as they could be, right. They're missing Kucherov. Of course, Blackhawks kind of have very little, they have very little down the middle, right? The loss of Jonathan Taves is obviously huge. We know that. And, Sure, you know you you can put Dylan Strome on the top line, but he is no he is no Jonathan Taves. I think that's going to be a huge loss for Chicago, a team that was already giving up a boatload of shots per game, right? So no team gave up more shots on goal per game last season than the Chicago Blackhawks, and now they get to face the Tampa Bay Lightning, who just score goals at will. Chicago is healthier, right? So that might help them, but I do expect them to get just absolutely lit up in some way. So I'll definitely have some shares of any concoction of whatever Tampa Bay is, is running here. So their top line probably stays together. Uh, Andre Palat, Braden Point, Steven Stamkos, maybe their second line comes into play. If you want to get a little bit of value, specifically Alice Kalorn and Anthony Sorelli, they don't play on the same power play unit, but I guess you got to go with, you know, whatever you got there. But that's the that's the number one game that I do want to watch. The second one I'm going to watch a lot of is the Oilers and the Canucks. Now, we don't know who's starting for the Canucks, but my feeling is it's probably going to be Braden Holpe, right? You sign him to that contract, you bring him in. You're going to at least want to see what he can do. And he didn't do well, let's say now, for the better part of over a year. And he gets to face off night one against Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and the gang. This game is also in in Edmonton, so that, I guess, if home ice advantage even matters anymore, then that's good. They do get last change, which will probably help. And the Canucks have, they have not gotten better. This is a team that got a lot worse, I would say, in the offseason, right? Tyler Toffoli left. That kind of didn't, they didn't really replace him with anything as well. Their, their defenses didn't get any better. So this is a team that just is worse. <laughs> and yeah. I expect Edmonton to reveal that to the entire country on night one. Well, I mean, 
jumping back really quick to the the Tampa Chicago game. Um, yeah, I mean, Chicago's decimated down the middle. You lose Jonathan Taves, you lose Kirby Doc. Uh, we don't know yet if Carl Soderberg's going to be able to go. Apparently, he has visa issues. Chicago thinks they'll be resolved by night one, but I don't know how much is getting done in the U.S. government right now. Um, so yeah, I mean, Dylan Strom is priced very reasonably for somebody who is going to be playing beside Alex DeBrinkett, Patrick Kane. Uh, I think it's going to be a really nice value play. And I do think a lot of people will stay away from it because I think a lot of people see Andre Vasilevsky and run the other way. Um, I'm unlikely to be one of those, especially in GPPs. Um, Tampa, I'm probably going to avoid. I think I'm going to avoid top line. I think I'm going to stay away from Stamkos and, and point. Stamkos's health really is concerning to me. Um, I mean, <laughs> he played what five minutes of the entire playoff. Mind you, he scored a goal in it, but he hurt himself again. Um, so like, I'm a little worried about, about how, how well they're going to click on night one. Uh, that said, I don't know how we, you're going to have to click, even if it's, whether it's Malcolm Subban or Colin Delia, uh, there's going to be goals to be had. I mean, I don't, I haven't, I didn't pull up the over under here, but I'm guessing it's probably sitting at about six and a half. Uh, if it is under six and a half, I would take the over, um, might even still take the over at six and a half. Because I wouldn't be surprised if this was a 7-3 type game. Um, yeah, Vancouver. Uh, one thing I would know, I, I do think, while you're completely correct, they didn't replace to fully. It uh, looks like Niles Hoglander is going to be filling in that top six spot, at least to start. Uh, we'll see what that is. Uh, I know he's a, he's a pretty decent prospect, somebody that Canucks fans have been excited about. Uh, I do like adding Nate Schmidt to the defense. I think that does make them better. Having, uh, I mean, Edler Schmidt, Hughes, Hamannick, uh looks like Uobi, uh, uh and Tyler Myers. I don't think it's that bad. Uh, it'll be a little bit more stable. Uh, I think Nate Schmidt's a little underrated. Uh, he shoots a lot. Uh, he skates really well, so he's somebody, depending on pricing, that you could look at for shots. But, I mean, obviously Quinn Hughes is the guy. Uh, he gets the power play time. He's going to, should be, always be the top, the highest price guy for Van, Vancouver. Um, so I definitely take a look there. Uh, looking at the other games, yeah, I mean, Philly-Pittsburgh feels too close to call. Toronto-Montreal feels close to call. Uh, Colorado St. Louis will be interesting. I mean, Nathan McKinnon, I believe is the highest price player on the slates, uh, shoots a ton. If he can get two goals, there'll be value. Uh, I wonder though, do you need to worry about it? I mean, that does feel like risk there that that could be maybe a three, one game and paying up on McKinnon, even if he scores twice, doesn't get you as much as you would have gotten out of. Uh, probably McDavid and Dreisaitl should that game uh, end up. <laughs> I mean, that could easily be a 10-goal game. could be more than that. That wouldn't be a huge surprise. So I, I wonder about that strategically, especially in cash games. Uh, I know personally in cash games, I love playing the chalkiest player to make sure that I'm sitting on either the right side of it or the wrong side of it. Uh, because if I'm with 40% of the rest of the slate, at least... I know I'm with 40% of you. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how that plays out. Any Were, were there any plays specifically uh, looking at the pricing that, that really stood out for you on that first day? I think if you're looking towards the Montreal side of things, right? So we know that Toronto, is specifically Freddie Anson, I had two drafts today, just off topic here first. I had two fantasy hockey drafts finishing up on there and Frederick Anderson is still going way too early for my liking. And I have no idea why this is just something that like I bang my head against a wall, trying to understand what I'm missing here because he hasn't been good for a, for a while now. He, he's on a good team that scores goals. Their defense is not that great, right? The Leafs defense is just, it's, it's there. But if you're on Twitter a lot, you can hear from all the 9 million 
Toronto Maple Leaf experts that their defense is better. And I don't believe it for a minute. I'll 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 wait and see if this is actually gotten better. But back to the more of the Montreal side of things, I think their top line with Philip Deneau is the one that a lot of people are probably going to get caught with, but that line's going to match up with Austin Matthews, and I think Matthews is going to be able to, you know, those two lines are just going to collide heads there. If Matthew does what he needs to do, fine. For me, the play that I'm looking for is I'm looking at Nick Suzuki, right? Because I think $4,200 on DK is very much affordable. And I'm also looking at Jonathan Drouin, who's $3,500, right? So even if that line has to match up against Tavares's line, I still like, I mean, Nick Suzuki was exceptional in the playoffs last season. He, he really turned it on. And when you move out a player like Max Domi, who is two seasons removed from 70 plus points, your expectation of the player who's going to replace him has to be high. And that's Suzuki, right? There might be some value if you want to go all the way down to Montreal's third line. I think Kotkaniemi at $3,400 is also an absolute bargain. And Toffoli, you know, his, his, his price tag is not, is not great at 5,100, but I'll, I'll bite that bullet if I'm pairing him with Kotkaniemi, of course, right? That's that to me, I'll, I'll live with the power play correlation is kind of not there, but I mean, look, Montreal's power play is anemic, right? Like they, they, they had their inter squad game today and it's only fitting that they're that, that they gave up a shorthanded goal, right? Team, <laughs> team red gave up a shorthanded goal to team white, Paul Byron put in the back of the net. So that kind of just summarizes for me what Montreal's power play is going to be, which is just terrible. And if it operates the same way that it has in the last two seasons, it's just going to be Weber bombs from the left point. So I'm not too worried about Montreal's power play correlation. I'm looking for a combination of duos from there. And then I'll probably pair him with either Jeff Petrie or Shea Weber, depending on you know what I'm looking for. I'd probably go the Petrie route at this point. He's a little bit more affordable. And he's the only puck moving defenseman on that blue line. So it's it's either one of those two for me. Like I said, Suzuki and Drew. Drew's look good at in camp so far. You know, I want to see what Josh Anderson brings. Bigger body that might help create some space for those two. But Suzuki is just so elite, right? And his passing and his vision. He's playing center where I think that's the optimal position for him to be playing, right? And giving Droid that space where he doesn't have to be the player carrying the puck in and just being able to separate himself from the defense, doesn't have to go to the net, can stay around the top circles. That's that's going to help him. I don't expect Toronto to shut out Montreal, right? They're going to give up some goals. I don't think the top line is going to be able to find enough space. So I'm looking at that Suzuki and Droid combination very, very closely, and I'll probably have some some pieces of it here. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I mean, I I did also, I, I very much am considering this game as a place to look to for uh, like my second stack, um, whether that be Suzuki Anderson, Suzuki Drew N. Um, Toffoli is interesting, and you do note the price. Um, it, that price does bring me some pause at now that we're, it seems like he's going to be on the third line, uh, at least to start, I assume. I mean, I don't know how much fluidity there's going to be in these lines. I, and this is part of the issue with having no, no preseason games too, right? Is like, we could just as easily see like Suzuki playing between Toffoli and Armia and Anderson and Drew and drop down to the third with Kak Um I would prefer it like that. I would prefer the Kak play with Toffoli and uh, Josh Anderson, I, right? Josh yeah. Anderson's a bigger body. Yeah. He's, He's 3K on DK, right? And I think there's, there might be some upside missing for him, right? He's he doesn't get a lot of anything. He's not on the top. He he's on the top power play unit, and no, I'm sorry, second power play unit. So you're not going to get the correlation that you're looking for there, which is why Suzuki and Droy kind of entices me. But if you if Josh Anderson joined Kotkaniemi and Toffoli, that entire line is on the second unit, which again, first unit, second unit doesn't make a damn difference. They're both useless. But if you're looking for that correlation, you're going to get it. And if you pair, like I said, Toffoli's price tag is too high. 
right? It's it's high, yeah. but I can bite the bullet if I'm paying 3K for Josh Anderson and I'm paying $3,500 for Cock and Yemi. I'll bite that bullet to get a full line, right? So I'd be happy if that's going to happen. I don't think it will. Yeah, and I mean, Anderson, the more I look at it, is becomes a little bit more intriguing, right? This guy shoots just about three three times a game. Um, the last time he was healthy for a whole season, he almost scored 30 goals. Mm-hmm. So there's gonna there's potentially value sitting there again if he's healthy. Shoulder injuries are tough, uh, especially in the, in the NHL. Um, so I mean, ultimately we'll wait and see. I mean, we don't know exactly. Again, we, it's hard to see what those lines are gonna be. I struggle probably to go down to a Montreal three just on a night like that, where it's like, is there going to be enough goals to go around? If you're not getting those goals at a significant discount, that's letting you get up to somebody who's going to give you maybe three or three, four, five points, potentially. Uh, I think it's going to be a hard, uh, hard sell, but there is definitely value sitting in this lineup. Going to be a lot of contrarian. Well, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I, have, I think I have some Ontario bias in this. I think there's like contrarian value in Montreal uh, because I've just had bad experiences with playing against not choosing Toro- anyone from Toronto on a slate. They score five times and I lose because all kinds of people just pick Toronto players. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the same thing happened with Montreal. Uh, but that, that's kind of how I see it. Like if you're getting, if you've got one person left and you want to kind of go for value, getting somebody like Josh Anderson makes sense. Getting someone like Drew in makes sense just to fill in that last winger spot on DK uh, or as your utility spot if needed, just to, you know, if you're stacking up somewhere else. Um, I mean, I would probably look at Suzuki Drew in, as noted, Suzuki Anderson as, as a second stack. I think the first stack I really like when I went through the slates um was getting in on Vancouver. Uh, they're pretty much like the three guys you're going to want to look to there. Uh, Elias Patterson, JT Miller, and uh, Quinn Hughes all priced really well. Uh, no one's over the $8,000 mark. I think they're all around like 71. Uh, Patterson was around 7,100. Uh, I think Miller was around 76. And Hughes was about 5,500 on DK. Uh FanDuel, I think, priced them a little bit more, the defense portion a little more reasonably with Hughes. But, I have Elias uh, Pettersson here on opening night. right? So Elias Pettersson is 6800 which is very right. affordable. Uh, JT Miller is 59 for whatever reason. And oh, Brock Besser is 4600 which yeah. <laughs> we know Besser is, you know, but there's nobody on that right side who can play. And Quinn Hughes is 51. So Quinn Hughes will just continue to be in the 5K range for the rest yeah. of his career. No matter, he could probably, like, he could play a Hall of Fame career, and DK will just price him at $5,100, and that's it. I don't know if DraftKings forgot who JT Miller was, right? I think he had, like, 70 points last season. So 5900 against Edmonton, right? Edmonton, I know they have two very good lines, but they also have two... Uh, suboptimal lines. They got a defense that's a little banged up. Um, their defense is actually just not that great. And they have two dumpster fire goalies. So yeah. if you're if you're going on a contrarian play and you're looking to go against the grain or against Edmonton, again, they're not going to shut out Vancouver, right? Vancouver's going to score goals here. You just yeah. need them to come from that top line. And I, I assume, I, I know Edmonton's the home team here, but you're going to assume that they're going to try to get Bo Horvat's line out against the McDavid line as much as possible and let Elias Pettersson and his line try to get it. I mean, not that Dreisaitl's not good, but when the puck is on McDavid's stick, there's no way to play defense. You just kind of just brace yourself and hope he doesn't blow by you and make you look like you're a two-year-old yeah. learning how to skate for the first time. Yeah, exactly. Um but yeah, I mean, that, and that's exactly why I'm looking at Vancouver is because I think you're gonna have all the eyes on Edmonton, and people are gonna people fade Vancouver a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Edmonton gives up goals, um, and last year Edmonton was so 
from a DFS perspective, it was so up and down. Like, at least in my experience, whenever I played Edmonton, it was like sometimes they scored seven, sometimes they scored three. Sometimes they gave up six, sometimes they gave up one. Like, the the team they played and how inconsistent that team was kind of leaves me at a pause all the time. Um, their defense has definitely gotten worse. Um, you, with the loss of, of Clefbaum, you bring in Tyson Berry, who I don't think he can spell defense. Uh, and if he can, he's not sure what it means. He didn't sign in Edmonton to, to play, play defense. defense. No doubt. He he went there because their power play was operating last season at 30%. He wants to make sure he gets paid and that next season when the escrow comes down a little bit, yeah. hopefully for the players, <laughs> that he can cash in his check and remind everybody that he's good. Because his let, let's be honest, his stay in Toronto was not great. And I think that's because Toronto just thought he was something different, right? He was right. good in Colorado. We thought he'd be good in Toronto. It, it wasn't. He should. And now he's betting on himself on a one-year contract playing yeah. with the best player in the NHL right now. So, Possibly no, he's not there to play defense. He's there to occupy a defensive position right. just because they can't use a fourth forward. But I don't think his goal is to hundred <laughs> percent. But he, he's not – yeah, he, and he's not slowing anybody down. But, again, more of the reason to go, hey, don't avoid teams playing Edmonton because they could be shootouts. Um. Like, lots of goals to be found there. Um, and I think I think that pretty much gets us through. Uh, do you have any thoughts on Colorado-St. Louis? I, I th- I'll echo your your statement from earlier, right? I think paying up for McDave, uh, paying up for McKinnon is quite, is it like it's a little bit too much for me to bite there, especially that especially if Ryan O'Reilly's going to be on the ice a lot with them. I. If you wanted to stack a lot, you're probably going to get them at a low ownership. And if not, it's because everybody's thinking, well, I mean, Jordan Bennington was a flaming pile of no good in the playoffs. And if that continues into night one, like he could be in for a very long night against Colorado's top line. Very, very long night. So there is that to worry about. Just as you were going through everything, I built like this is just a lineup that took me all of 35 seconds to put together uh, on DraftKings. So I have Suzuki, Elias Patterson, Jonathan Drouin, JT Miller, Brock Besser, Quinn Hughes, Jeff Petrie, Carter Hart, and Steven Stamkos. There's your GPP lineup if you wanted to throw it into something and say, here, come back with something. You got your Vancouver four-man correlation on the power play. You got your Montreal correlation that also maybe sticks together on the power play. I think Carter Hart's probably one of the better goalies on the slate if that game actually happens. And then I get my exposure to Tampa Bay with probably the player that's going to be the least owned of the three of that line. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's one of the fun parts about putting these together. I mean, I, I think I did like 80% of that and it looked pr- I, I, on my own and it looked pretty much the same. Um, Mind you, this will uh, probably change at least a million times before Wednesday, 530. But <laughs> as of right yeah. now, that's. And I think I played uh, when we talked about this a little earlier in the week, I was able to get myself to a point where I was able to get McDavid in uh, with Pedersen, with Miller. Um, I got two spots left right now. I got a wing and a defense. I got you could you could almost it. game stack that game. Yeah, and not uh, not worry. Bit of Tyson Berry action here. I got forty one hundred left to spend. Uh, and I can get myself some. There's uh, lots. Alarm. There's lots of options to choose there from. That's the beauty of night one. Is yeah. you're not exactly sure how it's gonna go. So I'm expecting to see somebody win uh, a decent <laughs> yeah. puck drop. I think the, I, th- I think the one K the, the 150 puck drop on DK with the payout structure, 50,000 to top place. So I'm expecting yep. that $50,000 winning lineup to be just some yeah. absolute concoction of craziness. Yeah. And yeah. This be. is what I have here. I got Patterson, Suzuki, Miller, Drew and Killorn, Hughes, Barry price, McDavid. There, there you go. go. 200 bucks left to spare i'll probably end up playing like three or four different lineups just because i want to got to scratch that that dfs itch um but 
yeah um i guess the only part we didn't talk about is we didn't talk about the toronto side of things uh toronto for me has always been a tough tough sell the reason f- uh the reason for that being a, such a tough sell for me is that because they have two lines that score and it's never one line scoring consistently uh it gets tough um so like matthews being the obvious like as much as you'd love to stack matthews marner they're too expensive to do it uh you may be able to go i it sounds like you'll be able to go probably go matthews thornton uh and maybe you probably be able to get Morgan Riley in if you want to go three three deep on Toronto. Uh, again, I don't know how many goals are going to be there. I really see that game as being more of a, a three two style game. Um, Toronto Toronto's got a lot of changes in that lineup, and I think that's not something that should be forgotten early. It wouldn't be a huge shock for that team to struggle, right? You can imagine how significantly that that dressing room has changed bring in joe thornton you bring in wayne simmons uh you bring in zach bogosian like you you turn to like you're trying to turn a team with again limited training camp no preseason from full-on running gun to like hey guys we're gonna play defense again remember when we played defense uh under mike babcock remember you guys didn't like that so that worries me a little bit about Toronto. I know they're trying to get more into like a championship style play, uh, but I'm not going to be surprised if there's hiccups early, uh, which does make me think, you know, you, there's value in GPPs for, for going for stacking at Montreal as I guess we're both heavily talking about here. Uh, the other one, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, you talked about Carter Hart. Um, the only thing, that leaves me with a little bit of pause there is Carter Hart really struggled on the road last year. Uh, not saying that's going to be the case. I don't think there's any real explanation for why that is. Uh, the other thing I would note is that Philly last year was very much top line, uh, top line at home, second line on the road. So I wouldn't be against looking at uh, maybe some, some Kevin Hayes with Oscar Lindblom stacks, uh, putting that out there in GPP, see what happens. Um, I think Philly Pittsburgh probably is about a four-two style game, three-two, four-two, something like that. Um, from the Pittsburgh side, I, I don't know what to expect. So, like outside of Chris Letang, uh, I mean Crosby, Crosby's going to see. I don't know if Crosby's even going to see high ownership. That game's at 5:30, so yeah. That I mean, from the Pittsburgh side of that, it's really tough to predict. There've been a lot of shuffling things around there, and I do struggle much like with Toronto to say like, is this a Crosby night or is this a Malkin night? Which guy do I want to have? I think it's going to be a tough matchup for Crosby. I, I think it's tough for Pittsburgh per se. Um, Philadelphia's top nine is just really, really good. So go down the line and you'll pick whoever you want. I'm not a hundred percent sold on Oscar Limbaugh playing on that top line with Couturier and Konechny as it his sits now. I think Claude Giroux is going to bounce up there at some point just because that line collectively can play well defensively as well. So you have yeah. Couturier who's one of the better two way centers in the NHL. Giroux can hold his himself. Not that Kevin Hayes can't, but I think if you have Oscar Limbaugh you know, Kevin Hayes and Joel Farby as it is now, you'll still get some value. Malkin's line, Malkin doesn't really play defense, right? Like we know this, it's yeah. not his strong suit and Rust and Zucker are not defensive specialists by any means. So that line, their possession numbers are probably not going to look very good. I, I know you said maybe three, two, four, two. I have this as a two, one game. I think these two teams are just going to cancel each other out. Both teams have good goaltending. Their defense is not terrible. But their forwards, their forward group is good enough to play defense. Now, mind you, this because I've said this now, this game's going to finish six five, right? But <laughs> if if the hockey gods don't dictate this game, it should be a two one. It should be a tight knit game. I think it's going to be sloppy for both these teams as well. But I don't see it getting crazy out of control where one team just you know lays a hammer on the other or 
goals start popping in. I think it'll be a really close game. And that's, to me, that's why I'll target goalies here. I don't know what Vegas, what they've put out as the over-under here, but I think they've just saturated those numbers. I, I think the goal totals for games on opening night are just up there because they're expecting so many goals because teams have been off for a while. But I'm I'm not of that sense, at least not for Pittsburgh-Philadelphia. I, I don't think that'll be the high-scoring game. Yeah, uh, I've got them up here. It's at a six and a half. Uh, yeah, that's no. under being the being the favorite. Um, yeah, I hope but so. That's that's high. Man. Well, let me sorry, let me move away from six. I'm seeing six. Okay. Uh, six in Vegas. Um, the only one we, over, which is still high. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, we got six in for Pittsburgh, Philadelphia. We got six for Montreal, Toronto. We got six and a half for Chicago, Tampa. Uh, five and a half Vancouver Edmonton. Uh, well, if you are listening to this and you are betting, bet the over. You'll see that on wager alarm when it comes up uh, day of. Five and uh, a half on Vancouver Edmonton right now. Yeah, man, I'll take the over at minus one twenty-five. No problem. Take it to six days of this of the week. Yeah. Uh, eight of if you will let me. That over. Uh, it's what midway through the second easily. In the first, maybe. Yeah, would, four goals in the first. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then five and a half with St. Louis, Colorado. That one I get. Like I could see that being under. Um, so I mean that's that's what Vegas has, which means, I mean if we're gonna use that, we would throw Vancouver Edmonton out the window. I'm not doing that. As as I mean, we've heavily noted, like fade that number, take the over. Um, but yeah, I mean favorites here. If we want to take that approach, I mean, we've got Philadelphia being the favorite. Sorry, Philadelphia's at home, so which means top line. Uh, Toronto's the favorite, fairly heavy favorite, minus 140. Not huge, but fairly heavy there. Tampa, obviously, at 250. There's no hope for Chicago. Um, pretty even. Vancouver, Edmonton. Edmonton's slight favorite, probably just because of the home team. And then Colorado at minus 135. Um, so, yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, moving on to day two here, I think we'll probably move through the last four days here a little bit faster. Um, just looking at some, some games to target. Ones I picked out here, uh, Washington versus Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo has gotten a lot better in the, in the offseason. I have no hesitation in saying that. Uh, Taylor Hall, obviously, uh, but I, I think the unsung portions of that are, are Cody Eakin getting a solid third line center, um, Eric Stahl coming in to, to take on the second line center. Center was a big problem for after Jack Eichel, obviously, on the first line. That said, uh, their defense is still their defense, and I think Washington's probably going to score a bunch uh, because there's no real – I'm not a big Linus Olmark believer – uh, so I think there's going to be goals to be scored there. Uh, Carolina, Detroit, uh, I think you're going to see that game being very chalky. Uh, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of Carolina there. Uh, I would be definitely looking at their top line. We don't have prices yet, but we'll see what that looks like. Minnesota versus the Kings. This one is going to be really interesting to me from a goalie perspective. Uh, I wouldn't be against either goalie set. Minnesota should win this game. Uh, I would think Cam Talbot won't be really high priced. Uh, but at the same time, Cal Peterson might be like a really sneaky low price goalie that you can get in um, and probably doesn't give up a lot of goals. Uh, Anaheim Vegas, obviously Vegas is going to be interesting there. They're, I believe they're at home. Uh, I don't know what Anaheim is, but I don't expect them to be very good. And then we get night two of Vancouver Edmonton. Um, so we get backups, which is maybe better for Vancouver, maybe worse for Edmonton. Um, but if we see a really high scoring game, high scoring game on night one, you better believe that night two, that the, that game will get really chalky. And I sense that's part, maybe part of the reason why we don't have prices yet for night two. Maybe the sites want to see what happens there for on night one, but um, that's what stood out to me. Uh, 
when you look at day two, if this is pretty much the first full slate of games. What, any differences that stood out for you? I think you nailed a lot of them there. The one that I really will keep nailing into people's skulls until they get it is the how bad San Jose's goaltending is. <laughs> so even though the Coyotes can't score goals, um, I mean Martin Jones can't stop them. So it doesn't it doesn't really matter. Uh, Eric Carlson and Brent Burns aren't necessarily defensive specialists either. So the Sharks are a liability there on the road as well. I think that helps Carol, uh, the Coyotes in this sense. I also wouldn't be afraid to play Darcy Kemper against the Sharks. I think the Sharks, I mean, they, they weren't top half in the league in goals for per game. I don't think they will be this season. Everybody's kind of looking at the Sharks as this bounce back team. And the only thing I see them bouncing is to the bottom of their division. Again, it's their, <laughs> they just, their goaltending is just so bad. It's, I don't understand how they'll make it this far. Well, so there's no reason to, I know, like I said, I know Arizona, playing Arizona is just like, it's scratching your eyes out. Cause you just like, you watch this game go and they have like, five shots after one period and you're like okay but like we we can't do this right and i just have these <laughs> flashbacks of you know them in the playoffs where they kind of squeak past what was it they, they squeaked past the preds and uh, then yeah it was the preds who they squeaked? i think it was minnesota minnesota right my apologies minnesota very forgettable team and and then they show up and they play colorado and they just get absolutely wrecked right? oh yeah and like, again this is a like the, like the Coyotes are a good defensive team. We know they can't score goals, and that was with Taylor Hall in the lineup, right? But they look they looked outplayed every single minute of every single game that they played. <laughs> Ever like that they it, it was unfair. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I I do distinctly remember uh, I rode Kemper a lot in the playoffs in those first two rounds. Like, against Colorado, it didn't matter. Like, he was getting 45 shots a night. He was still giving you, like, 42 saves. Yeah. So, like, you didn't care that you were losing because you were getting so, so much shot volume. Um, a game against San Jose, probably similar. Like, I will probably use Kemper because he's not going to be expensive. Um, I also, I mean, I'm more on the side that the Sharks are going to bounce back. I don't know how far they're going to bounce. I mean, they went from being, what, the second highest scoring team in the league to the, like, second worst scoring team in the league. And all that changed was the loss of Joe Pavelski. I'm not saying Joe Pavelski. Well, I mean, granted, they also had injuries, right? But, But, I mean, mean, what have they done since? Right. They've not gotten better, I don't think. Um, But, I mean... I'll be interested to see how Brent Burns gets priced. He's somebody I would consider targeting because he shoots a lot. That's going to have value, especially where you're getting bonuses there. Probably not going to see big ownership unless for some reason the masses are all sitting on San Jose going, San Jose is going to be good. Um, But yeah, I mean, from that slate, I think that, I mean, I I do definitely agree that that's noteworthy. San Jose probably isn't good. They probably don't win this game. Um, Arizona wasn't any really any better with Taylor Hall than they were without him. So, like, I don't think they're any worse today than they were before. Uh, one other note on, on Arizona is it does look like Jacob Chikrin is taking over the top power play. So you may get him as a discount. So you should be fading uh, OEL, uh, Oliver ekman Larson if you were playing him, which you shouldn't have anyways. But uh, you may get Chikrin at a discount. And if you are getting him at a really nice discount, that does make him a really good value play if he's on top power play. Which would be fine. So, again, speaking of power player, because now I'm looking at Arizona's whatever their concoction they've come up with here. And (laughs) I mean, it's not great, but you could go with, you know, you could look at Christian Dvorak, right? Phil Kessel, the ageless Phil Kessel here. And if Jacob Chikrin does get those top line, does get that top power play minutes. You got a three man power play stack there. Clayton Keller joins the top power play unit. I think that's fine for whatever reason. Drake Kagula is there, but maybe that's just a typo. Maybe that will change. 
maybe they'll let somebody else take that spot more deserving. But again, looking at Arizona's lines, there's nothing exciting about Connor Garland or Lawson Krause or Derek Broussard or like, I understand that, which is why somebody's going to gravitate towards Martin Jones. And that's just, it's unacceptable in 2021 to be continuing to gravitate towards not even mediocre goaltending, just not good goaltending. He's not good. And I don't care how much of a discount it is. I don't care how bad Arizona's offense can be. Bad goalies are bad goalies, right? So it doesn't matter how anemic the opposing team's offense is. Just, you know, bad offenses score goals too against bad goalies. So, yeah. I mean, uh, I, you're probably look, you're looking at daily faceoff right now, right? That's where you're, you get yeah, that's correct. Match from. Um, I don't know if they match. I know that one of the beat writers for the Coyotes had noted the lines for the day, and it was Kraus, Smalls, Garland, uh, Kegula, Devora, Kessel, Keller, Brassard. Let's be honest. Does Arizona have a beat writer? Yeah, because getting lines from them is just well, that's going to be a close to the source. I know like uh, they do nice. I mean, Daily Faceoff does great work uh, in projecting the lines, uh, but they do note that the pairings were Chikrin Goligoski as the top line or the top defensive pair. OEL with gross. I don't know if that was just saying gross that he was kind of on to uh, Osterley, Chalmerson, Capobianco and and mayo which sounds more like an italian sandwich than anything but that's beside the point um but yeah i mean if that's what's going on that's where i was getting chicken probably getting the top power play time uh but yeah i mean it's it's an interesting spot mostly because martin jones is terrible and i guess we're assuming it's martin jones it could very well not be martin jones i could uh could say forget it let's go with um they could um, bring yeah, in Devin Dubnik if they want, but that'll be a rude awakening I mean, for him as well. They probably will have to at some point if things get out of hand. Uh, and if night one's out of hand going against Phoenix, then God knows what things are going to look like when they've got to play Colorado and Vegas. But um, anyways, we're probably talking too much about this one game that shouldn't matter that much in a DFS lane. Um Anything else standing out on, on day two, or should we move to the really what I think is a very short day three? No, we can go straight to day three. Day three has a lot of uh, repeat offenders, so that's yeah. that's that's nice. And you get a couple of a couple. Well, not really. I don't think. No, you get one new yeah. uh, start. We're just gonna completely remove uh, Dallas and Florida because yep. they can't control game. COVID. So yep, I'm just, we're just gonna assume already. that game's not gonna happen. It is postponed. That one is okay. There we go. Get that out of the way. The Maple Leafs face off against the Senators. Yeah. So, welcome to the NHL, Tim Stutzel. Your night one matchup will be Austin Matthews. That's that's going to be an interesting one for me. Depending on how night one goes for Toronto, then I'll gauge my interest in Ottawa. I think back to back games are going to be a little bit more taxing on the team yep. that has to play that back to back. Just because there's there's so many games in such a short period of time, even if it's early in the season, it's still it's still a lot, right? Centers are going to be rested. They're going to be a team playing at home, which I think is important. Those having the last change is going to matter a lot. And again, I want to see what does Toronto do on night one. How do they handle it? And if they play well, then well, you can just assume that they'll run over the Senators as they should. But if they struggle a little bit or even lose that game and you say, OK, well, maybe Ottawa is a GPP option. Assuming, again, that Tim Stutzel plays in the middle of Brady Kachuk and Evgeny Dodonov. Yeah, that's the line that I'm going to try to target as much. I don't want any other combination of whatever else they've come up with in Ottawa. <laughs> I like I'm looking at it now and it's just. Like, I don't care, right? Um, and if they really do want to, you know, tie Thomas Shabbat to Eric Branson, I mean, go ahead. But I don't feel like that benefits anybody unless you're stacking the leaps, right? And then I guess we get to see Matt Murray on night one. 
right? Well, night one, night two, yeah. right? Yeah, you kind of get to see no night three. You get to see Matt Murray making his debut for the Sens, and we can he's going to get a rude awakening and realize that hey, this is not the Pittsburgh Penguins team in front of me anymore. Um, this is a team that can barely play defense, and that's that's not going to end well. I expect Matt Murray to get lit up as well. He was very average in Pittsburgh last season. And I mean, Pittsburgh had their injury issues, but that didn't stop Tristan Jerry from being decent. They probably win that first series against Montreal had they not started Matt Murray. And again, he, it's not that he was bad. I mean, if you look at his numbers, they looked decent on paper. If you actually watch the game, those goals that he were giving, the, the goals that he was giving up were kind of not really goals you want to be giving up. So that's where you get to hear that that game for me is the one I'm going to watch. And then the other ones, I'm just going to continue to pick on the Hawks until they just fall apart <laughs> completely. And I have no problem with playing Buffalo against Washington. I don't think Washington's going to be as great as people want them to be. And we're going to get a real taste of, you know, is Ilya Samson off the future of that team or are they in trouble? Yeah. And I mean, I'm guessing, right. Two things I would know looking at, uh, considering those games. So coming back to Toronto, Ottawa, Washington, Buffalo, I would guess that Washington is going to go whomever the backup is. I don't know if that's Phoenix Copley. I don't know if that's, um, um, old man, it's somebody, Anderson. it's a body, yeah, whomever it is, because they're playing three and four nights, and I think they're gonna want to keep Samson off for the game against Pittsburgh on Sunday, uh, which means play the backup at Buffalo game two. Makes sense. Right. One thing I'll note about Toronto, though, is I am not gonna be surprised if they go Jack Campbell in that game against Ottawa and save Anderson for the game for, for the Saturday night game in Hockey Night Canada just from a pure PR perspective, uh, which I do believe Toronto cares about more than anything else. So, which definitely pushes me more in on Ottawa, especially in GPPs to say, get some value here. Um, the problem you're going to have on the slate is like, maybe you do, I, I may be more willing to look at Tampa's top line, seeing ultimately what happens in night one. Uh, it's like, where am I spending my money? Like, am I paying up for Ovechkin? Uh, and whomever is centering that line, um, where am I spending my money here? Because I, I mean, St. Louis, Colorado, I still don't think it's going to be all that exciting. Uh, same with Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, because I think they're both going to still be going Jari Hart in that game as well. So probably not a huge score. So a lot of things happening in Washington, Buffalo, Toronto, I think is going to be absolute super ultra mega chalk. Uh, Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Riley, all going to be super high owned. Uh, it's probably wise to get a lesser, like a kind of get your, your third wheel, whether that be Thornton. Um, not going to be surprised though, if it, if Hyman finds his way back onto that top line. Uh, and then, you know, Nylander's probably still fairly expensive. So it's whomever is on the right wing, probably on that second line. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of like that, you know, the Friday, the, it doesn't look that exciting. We move into Saturday now. Full uh, we, yeah, we got a full day here. We're starting at one o'clock. Uh, we got a one o'clock, four o'clock. We got, uh, the repeat matchup, uh, of San Jose, Arizona. Nothing changes here. Um, it's, it's probably play Darcy Kemper, avoid the rest. Again, maybe look at Brett Burns, depending on pricing. Uh, unless San Jose shows up and looks surprising. That looks to be a 4 o'clock game as well, so it's going to be interesting right. to see if they include yeah, that. They probably the... don't... Yeah, they probably keep those two off the slate, to be fair, because there's enough games. I mean, we got three, six, we got eight games the rest of the night. Uh, but we start to get some new matchups. Um, we got Montreal-Edmonton. Um, we get the first site of Alexi Lafreniere uh, at home for the Rangers against the Islanders, which uh, we got Carolina at Detroit again. Toronto's at Montreal, or sorry, Toronto's at Ottawa. 
Columbus is at Nashville, Minnesota at LA, Anaheim at Vegas, Vancouver at Calgary. Um, again, Minnesota, LA, probably a solid spot to look for a goalie. Um, Vegas, I would probably keep an eye on what they're going to do for goalie. I think both Leonard and, and um, Marc-Andre Fleury are both going to be probably fairly high-priced. Um, but when I, I think uh, I'm going to probably sit on Carolina. I don't know how they're going to price Sebastian Ajo and and uh, Taravainen and, and Sveshnikov, Dougie Hamilton as well. That's probably going to be a high-scoring game. Carolina shouldn't struggle there at all. Um, do you, what do you make of the Islanders Rangers game? Is that something you're going to look at? Uh, I think you could see, uh, I, I'd be interested, I think, in Varlamov because I, the Islanders play such a shot suppressing game, they don't give up a lot of goals, and I think the Rangers are going to see a lot of ownership. That uh, Varlamov could be a nice play. Yeah, I was going to say that's probably the one trap that I want to stay as far away from as humanly possible. Barry trots and goalies. He just he seems to understand them, and he seems to have a system in place that just you know nobody gives the Islanders any credit, but I I have them being a playoff team out of that division, just because I right yeah. we we understand that defense wins championships right, and their offense it's not that their offense is bad it it's it's an offense by committee right, yeah so outside of your Matthew Barzell, who signed his deal, thank God. Their their team is not bad, right? I mean, Andres Lee, Jordan Eberle, Beauvillier, Bailey, even Brock Nelson. You know, Pajot was great as well when he came over. They probably still have one of the best fourth lines in hockey. Like, collectively, they're not terrible. And their defense is is good as well. So it it they're, they're not going to be high-scoring games, or at least the Islanders are not going to be scoring a lot of goals. But... Like you said, they're they're, they're going to suffocate their opponents, or at yeah. least they're going to try to play that that boring style of hockey, right? That kind of New Jersey in the you know 1999, the early 2000s, where you just suffocate the neutral zone and you don't let good skating teams find space. And the Rangers are a good skating team. They're built that way. They have players with a ton of skill, right? You think of obviously the Panarins and the Zabinajads, and you know Lafreniere is a player as well who's got speed. These aren't big guys and you know, bangers and bruisers in the corner. That's not the way they play. So if you can limit what the Rangers do, and, and I think the Islanders are a good enough team to be able to do that, it could definitely be a trap. Now, we're going to find out earlier in the week, though, how much of a trap is that? Because if the Islanders get lit up by the Rangers in night one, well, or on night two, right? But their first game of the yeah. season, then we're going to, you know, maybe that changes everything for me. But I don't see these games being crazy scoring i at least i don't i think the rangers will push the pace i think they may win you know their first game maybe something like four two right with an empty net goal there but i'm not i'm not a hundred percent sold on playing the rangers or paying that premium against a team like you said varlamov is a good goalie he can keep up we'll probably get sorokin that night as well so we'll get to see what he's made of as well and i think he's a good you know a good enough goalie to play in the nhl as well i don't know if we will get sorokin just because there's the night off in between i think they probably go back to varlamov on, on i don't Saturday. think so i think they want to get each goalie at least get their feet wet right some of these goalies haven't played hockey now in what months so i think yeah. this team's gonna try to at least get their two goalies in within the first three games even I if think... they have the night off kind of give goalies a little bit of time to you know, find their game, fine tune other things. So th- they may go back to Varlamov, and they should yeah. as a good. I, I first think they'll night. save Sorokin for for the Tuesday game against against the Devils, just because. I mean, or sorry, I'm looking at the wrong team. I'm looking at the Rangers. Uh, it'll be. I think they save him for the next game. Uh, I wouldn't want to take. You know, welcome, welcome to America, Ilya Sorokin. Here's one of the most like. Uh, here's one of the scariest offenses in the league. Uh, I would probably where possible, right? If it was a back-to-back, I think it's a different story. Um, but I think I'm probably gonna would if I was the Islanders, I'm saying like let's let's give him a chance um, to to get his 
you know, get acquainted with, with life in the NHL a little bit um, and not say, hey, meet the Rangers. I mean, mind you, their next game is against Boston, which uh, probably is a little better, a little better place to go. It's not a, it's not prime time. It's a five o'clock game on, I believe that's Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Uh, and Boston's missing, going to be missing Pasternak. So I don't think they're quite as scary. Uh, I mean, that's, I mean, that's surely just my opinion. You, you very well could be right on this, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them go back to Rallum off there. No, that would be fair. I'm just not expecting the Rangers to steamroll the For Allen. Sure. Yeah, I'm I don't just, think they're scoring five. That's not going to happen. Like, that would surprise me if the Rangers scored five goals. No, uh, they might get, I mean, they might get to five, but it's because, I don't know. Yeah, on an empty, empty net. Empty net goal, or maybe they get two empty net goals, right? Those dreaded empty net goals to push the cash line up, but it's, I just, yes, the Rangers are dangerous, but again, this this Islanders team is is good, and they were good last season, and then they're just getting disrespected again this year, being in a division that's absolute death. But I like this team. I like the way they're coached. I like the way that they play. They play the you know they they play a system that fits the players that they have. Right? There's no elite above and beyond superstar of the team. They collectively just they work hard. They skate. They you know up and down the ice. But like I you know playing defense that. That neutral zone gets real, real busy real, real quick. And teams that like to skate up and down the ice, like the Rangers do, even their defense, right? They, they got puck-moving defensemen. It's it's going to be hard for them on that first breakout pass to find space or just try to skate it up through the zone. It's Yeah. And Vegas has that game at a dead heat. Like, it's both minus. There's no favorite. It's at minus 110 both sides. So, um, yeah. so you see, even Vegas can't figure out right now. They're just looking at it going, meh. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, spread. They're giving the spread to to the Islanders, but at like a minus three ten, which is untouchable. Uh, mind you, like if you want to take, if you want to, if you feel like rolling the dice, take the Rangers there at minus one point five at plus two fifty five. That's a nice line on getting getting a two goal, which could totally happen. Uh, and they have it at. at uh, under five and a half, obviously being the favorite. Um, Vancouver, Calgary being being the only new one in here. Um, I don't look for a lot here. <clears throat> I mean, Calgary's probably not going to give up a lot of goals. Um, they've got obviously they added Jacob Markstrom, took him away from Vancouver in the offseason. Added uh, Chris Tanev, took him also away from Vancouver in the offseason. Um, Josh, Josh Leva was in Vancouver before as well, right? That's that's right. Yes. So Man, it's a Vancouver reunion in Calgary here. That's right. Which means if you like hockey fights, this might be the game for you. Uh, I think there could be some bad blood here. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you know lots of Vancouver players are not happy that Markstrom didn't want to come back. Uh, weren't happy about Tenev leaving. Uh, and you throw in, you know, Matthew Kachuk here, which everybody loves. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised there if we saw that being a very physical game. But I, I don't think you see a lot of scoring here. Calgary's at home. They're going to have last change, uh, which likely means they're going to try to make uh, Pedersen's life as difficult as possible. So uh, probably a game I avoid. Um Again, this these slates are going to be like I honestly the the Thursday Saturday slate is going to be really interesting, just because I think you're going to have so much chalk with Vegas and Carolina being the most obvious places that people are going to look. I think you throw in you know Toronto on the Saturday. Um, I wonder if you do get some sneaky value of Columbus Nashville. Um, I'm not certain where. I mean, you could take either goalie on either side and probably not be wrong. Um, but I don't think there's really anywhere else that you can look at and go, there's definitely goals here. Um, and without looking at pricing yet, I'm the one makes, makes that a little bit difficult. Uh, I will say this about the flames though, right? Jacob Markstrom revenge game 
night, right? Like for the Flames, that's. I mean, he's probably gonna want to stick it to the Canucks for not wanting to dish out money to him, right? Sign him to a long-term yeah, deal that he was looking for, yeah. and then they go out and they sign Braden Holpe instead. They gave him, I mean, they gave him decent amount of money. They just gave him shorter term, which is probably yeah. what they were looking for. And I mean, Markstrom was, I mean, Markstrom was there a while as well. He was supposed to be the goalie who kind of figures it out for them, and then Thatcher Demko just kind of walks in there and says, "Hey, how are you?" And I'm pretty sure that probably plays into Calgary saying, well, you know what? We don't have to give this guy, you know, a goalie who's, you know, he's not 21 anymore, right? Yep. He's aging and you don't want to lock up money to a goalie who's going to push the other side of 30. So I have a feeling he's probably going to want to stick it to the Canucks. And I think he's going to be extra motivated to slow I think down. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I do have some concerns about Markstrom and Calgary. Um Markstrom thrived facing a lot of shots um, in Vancouver. And uh, it kind of reminds me of a previous Vancouver goalie who thrived seeing a lot of shots, um, but he saw them in Florida, and that's Roberto Luongo. Think of a lot of times where, like, I mean, Roberto Luongo had, like, a 56-save shutout in Florida once. But, like you saw him play for Vancouver and really gave up some, some troubling goals at times. You saw him do the same thing with team Canada at times where he just gave up a bad goal uh, because he just needed the shot volume. I wonder if Markstrom ends up being the same. Uh, and I don't think he's going to see that same shot volume in Calgary. And I wonder if he gets disinterested and, and gives up some bad goals here and there. Um, that said, it doesn't really help you in a DFS sense because you can't predict bad goals when they're going to happen. You usually don't see more than one of them. But um, from a, if I was looking at this from a betting perspective, I wouldn't necessarily hesitate to bet uh, against Calgary in this case. But I, you know, again, a lot of change there. I would probably just avoid it. Um, last game here of the week. Uh, two games because we have another cancellation because of Dallas Tampa. I believe the first three or four games for Dallas have been completely postponed. Uh, so we're down to just Washington, Pittsburgh and Chicago, Florida. Uh, again, I think obviously, I mean, first thing I'm of the opinion, don't play two game slates. Uh, there's not enough variance. You got like such a, your chances to win are so small because essentially everyone's got to get out the same lineup. And that's exactly what you're going to see here as well. Uh, I think you see a lot of Barkov, Huberto, Yandel, most likely. Um, and then mix in whatever you can afford from Washington and Pittsburgh. Uh, we'll see how Chicago ends up getting priced, though, because they could be a decent contrarian piece. I was just about to say that. Um, like the Panthers have one line, and then they have stuff around it. Yeah. And... I mean, Sergey Bobrovsky. I was so in one one of these leagues that I have with a buddy. Right, it's an eight-team league. It's points only. It's got really basic scoring. And I was sitting there and I was looking at. I was looking. Sergey Bobrovsky was there and Cam Talbot was there. And I took my full. Right, there's no clock. Right, you just got one buddy reminding you that it's your pick every five seconds. You're like, yeah, yeah, give me a second. Let me think about. Do I want to deal with Sergey Bobrovsky this season? Because that's how much I think he's going to suck. So I think this would be the part where Chicago probably gets priced well. And because the Panthers are at home, I think that the Barkoff line is going to have going to deal with Patrick Kane to bring and Strom should they play together. Depending on what happens with Carl Soderberg and if he slots into that second line spot and plays with Dominic Kubelik. Well, there's a nice little mini stack to go with, and you can, I mean, you can pair him with, I guess, Adam Boyquist, and you have yourself a pretty good mini stack. Probably doesn't cost you much either to get it done. And even if the Panthers do score a couple of goals and the Pox trail, well, you know those top two, those top two lines going to be on the ice all the time, so. Yep. You know, the game script will work in your favor, but I I wouldn't completely disregard Chicago here. In fact, I wouldn't I would put them as I would put them ahead of playing Barkoff and Huberto 
just from an ownership perspective as well. I think everybody's going to tail that way just because they think the Panthers are a good team, but they're not. I think they're going to get sucked into because it's such a short slate playing Barkoff and Huberto. And it, look, if they beat me, they beat me fine, right? On a two-game slate, things like yeah. that are going to happen, right? I'll yep. go down in the heat with it, and I'll live with that. But I think there could probably be some – I mean, I, again, because we don't know how much – you know, player pricing is. I don't expect Soderberg to break the bank. I don't think Kubalik will break it either, regardless of what he did last season. And deviating away from that top line, which is where everybody's gonna, you know, go towards. I think Barkoff and company are good enough to control that one line and make it very, very difficult for them. But outside of that, I mean, look, I'm not looking at Patrick Hornfist and Alexander Wenberg to start clogging things up that this team can't figure it out where i would uh, i mean if you're gonna go that way and you still want some exposure to florida i think i would look at uh anthony duclair yeah i suspect it, it sounds like he's gonna get the the right wing on that top line so you could still get some exposure there uh one thing i would note about florida though is well that team's a lot different this year than it was last year I think they're going to be more difficult to play against. They didn't really have a second line last year either. Um, so, I mean, really everything in, in Florida runs through Barkov and Huberto. And really, I think it's more about Huberto than Barkov. He's kind of, he sets the table there. Um, so, and then again, you mean, you look at Washington, Pittsburgh, and I think you're going to probably just fit it try to get some exposure to two top lines there um but that's again, also a 12 o'clock game so assuming yeah. they run that slate as an all day as well well and with again, just assume, two games i can't imagine they're not going to uh or they don't run it at all <laughs> being the other you option. say that but here i am <laughs> looking at drafting going i know exactly how this is going to those offer like each of them as a single entry and say here call it a day but if they do run it as a full slate games which you know would be a problematic either i think that same you know the theory that you're working on there is is how i'd run it yeah all right well that gets us through the rest of the week so uh we'll be back doing this next week um same same time we're moving things to sunday uh, so we're going to try to review the full week's worth of games, uh, touch on any matchups that look really good uh, as we kind of get through that next week. So um, thanks for your time, everyone, uh, and have a great week. And we'll see you in the chat uh, on, on FantasyAlarm.com.